Welcome to the next episode of the Next Level Life podcast. Today's episode is an interview with the beautiful Jen Watterson from Simply Smarter Numbers. Jen is a business profit consultant, speaker, and podcaster who helps business owners to make more profit and take back their time. Jen has been working with business owners for the past 20 years as as a CPA, CFO, and CEO. And today she works with ambitious service-based entrepreneurs who are ready to think big, rewrite their own rules, and take action to build a lifestyle that they love. Jen has a knack of making numbers simple and practical. She can show you how to exactly what numbers you need to know to be able to fast track your growth, control your cash flow, and make sure you have enough time and money left over to enjoy the lifestyle that you want. Today, she's going to take us through the three steps to profitable revenue growth and the elegant business model that you need to be aware of to make sure that you create the business of your dreams. Ready to get started? Let's go. The Next Level Life podcast by Christine Corcoran is for all heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to up-level their mindset, motivation, and business to make a positive and meaningful impact in the world today. So if you love what you do and want to hear from inspiring thought leaders and successful business owners where we have real conversations and real connections, then this is for you. I want to assist you in finding the clarity and awareness you need to uplevel your mindset and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go. Well, it is a beautiful morning to have a great chat about numbers. And so I wanted to welcome to the podcast, Jen from Simply Smarter Numbers. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And it's always a good morning to talk. Every morning is a good morning to talk numbers, isn't it? (laughs) Well, I guess it is for people who love to talk numbers. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, though, but it's really interesting because I um, have been one to avoid numbers. It's been something that's just not my strength. It's not something that I love to do. I find that it really drains my energy. And it's interesting, like my sister, she is so like loves numbers, loves, loves, loves numbers. And so I'll always go to her and go, am I looking at this right? Yeah. Um, And it's so funny how it really lights her up to find, you know, to really look at and find the information in the numbers, which is really cool to see. But it's something that I've always struggled with. But as being a business owner, it's something that we cannot ignore. And it's something that it's when you actually allow yourself to push past that and then start to find the joy in the numbers and allow them to give you wisdom that maybe you would never access before, I think is so key. So just to begin with, can you share us share with us your journey of how you created Simply Smarter Numbers and where it all came from? Yeah, sure. So I am a CPA by trade. Um, I don't do that these days. I'm not an accountant these days, but that's where I've sort of come from basically. And over the last 20 years of doing that, I've worked with so many different business owners and it's been great. I've loved working with them. I just didn't really love the tax side of things. And we sort of started getting into in our business. We bought our business about 12 years ago and there was a lot of pressure with us, with our business, because when you're buying into a, a an accounting firm, it can be very expensive. You know, there's a lot of money to be outlaid and so on. And we decided to expand our business to a different area, like a different regional area, which is actually about an hour and a half away from where we live. And we actually created a coaching sort of um, a business, like a coaching arm, a business coaching arm of our business. And it was, I loved it. We absolutely loved doing it but there was a lot of travel involved and we were getting some great results for our clients. 
And we were getting some great results for us financially, but we were finding that as a family and as a sort of a lifestyle, it was really not working for us. You know, it just, it was just too hard. You know, we were always on the road or we were always saying, oh, maybe we should stay the night, you know, just so we don't have to do the travel, but then you're away from the family for the night. You know, there was all of those sort of things kept coming up all the time. And while we were, yes, making money and yes, we were helping clients and yes, we were loving what we were doing. It just wasn't really gelling with and giving us the lifestyle that we wanted. And I guess at the end of the day, when I decided that I don't want to be an accountant anymore and I worked my way out of that business, that's where I said, okay, that's what I'm doing now. I'm going to build a business that helps other people create what I term as an elegant business, you know, create that elegant business model that allows you to yes, make money, but also have a lifestyle at the same time. Cause it can happen, you know, and we worked it out in the end and it's all of those sort of tools and things that I, that we use to sort of turn that around and create our own different um, lifestyle business that I now teach other people to do. Mm, beautiful. And it can be so, it's such an interesting topic when it comes to like creating a business for your lifestyle rather than, you know, creating the business to make money. I think it's an, a different element around that it is possible, but I think it, we can get caught up in the business journey and end up wanting to over-serve or over-deliver and then forgetting that the lifestyle was what you got into it for in the first place. Yeah. And I actually think what also happens too. So you talk a lot about money mindset and I, I don't really touch on that myself so much. I really stick to my own lane, but when you're talking about building a business from the perspective of, I want to build a better lifestyle as opposed to, I want to build a big money making, you know, profitable beast of a business. Yeah, we all want that. But when you're looking at it um, as a business owner from that perspective of lifestyle, I think some of the money mindset issues are just probably easier for people to handle or get their heads around. I'm not sure, but I feel like it helps when you do change the way you're looking at the growth of your business. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a different, different definition of what success means to you because it's like, well, there are so many representations of what success looks like into the world or, how, or what a successful or profitable business looks like in the world. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have it that way. Like I love that looking at it from the lifestyle perspective is like, hang on, it's your business. So what do you want? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So share with us a little bit about why your customers come to you. What are they looking, what's, what are they struggling with when they reach out to you? Yeah, typically when I have people reach out to me, it's not always because they're not making enough money. I would typically work with business owners that have been around for say two or three or four years, or they've got to the point where their business has grown and so much so that yes, they're making money, but it's starting to just get too hard. Everything is getting too hard from a time perspective, from a lifestyle perspective, from, you know, how, I, yes, I've worked really hard and I've, I'm making a lot of money. I have a lot of clients. I'm doing all the things that I really wanted to do. You know, two years ago, I would have loved the thought that I was going to be where I am right now, but it's become really tough. And the problem that I think a lot of people are having that, that do come to me are they're trying to work out how they can step out of the day-to-day -day in order to change the place that they're in so that they can step forward tomorrow into a more um, 
elegant business. Mm. You know, they don't actually use the term elegant business. That's kind of a term that I use, but ultimately that's what they're looking for is how can I pull myself out of this business to make all the changes that I know I need to make. I, I don't necessarily know what those changes are, but I know that I need to do something different and I need help. Yeah. And I've heard it described in a way, in the, and correct me if this is if this is not what you mean, but it's like going from being an operator in your business to going to be actually being a business owner. Yeah, it's a hard transition to make. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a tough transition for a lot of people to make both, I guess, from a mindset perspective, you know, we all want to do it ourselves and we want to make sure that everything is, and we've always done it ourselves and we have to learn to hand off certain things or we have to make some tough decisions around, you know, what we will and won't do in our business going forward, various service offerings that we offered before. Are they really working for you? overall are they working yes are they making you they're making you money but are they working for you from a lifestyle perspective a time perspective there's so many different elements of your business that you can look at and really start to yeah pull apart and and find out what it is that you can do to take that step and become the business owner Mm, it's so key and it is that point right it's like you're so right it's like that two three four year mark that you start to realize hang on a minute I can't do all this on my own and trading time for money is just not working for me anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you alluded to it a little bit so far. Can you start to share with us a little bit more about what you mean about a, an elegant business model? Yeah, so an elegant business model is a business that's lifestyle friendly, essentially, but it's not just lifestyle friendly. It's also profitable enough to be able to financially support your financial goals but not sacrifice your lifestyle goals. So it's about having a good balance of both. Good balance of, yes, I want to, I want to be profitable enough to be able to do the things that I want to do financially in my life, but I also want the time to be able to do them. Mm. You know, there's no point saving, you know, running a business and having enough money to go and build that million dollar home if you can never spend any time in it, for example. Yeah. yeah. Totally, totally. It's otherwise like, why do we even bother getting into business if we weren't going to enjoy it and yeah. actually have a lifestyle that supports it or vice versa? Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from is just, I love to help people just change their perspective a little bit on their business and say, okay, yes, I do want to make money, but I want to do it in a way that gives me a really great life. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen tomorrow. It can take time, of course, you know, it can take, it took us uh, two or three years for us to change what we were doing in our business over and really chip away at it over a a period of time to turn it into what it is now, which is, you know, much more of a lifestyle business. Yeah. And I think when you like saying that, that takes a little bit of pressure off, right? Because a lot of time clients will be like, oh, well, I know I need to change and I want to go to this type of model but this has been working for me. Like you were saying, this has been working for me for such a long time. And I've got evidence in my mind to prove that it's going to work. And that's where my revenue comes from. And so there's so much fear wrapped around that because it's like, well, if that's what's given me the revenue in the past, and then I stop doing that, is the revenue still going to come? And it's trusting that transition. But I love that you've mentioned that it can take a little bit of time because that transition takes a little bit of the pressure off that you don't have to do it like overnight where you go, well, actually, you stop offering that service and go straight to doing this, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, nothing magical is going to happen overnight, really. You know, you can start working on it. It's about trying to, one, identifying what those goals are at the, to, at the outset, you know, what is it that you want out of that lifestyle? But, you know, people can then, once they get some clarity around what's possible for them in their business, then it's much easier to make the decisions, the hard decisions that you need to make. I've had clients say, okay, I am going to stop taking on new work for a period of three months and you and I are going to work together every week for the three months that I'm not, that I have a lull in clients to turn this business around. Uh, Another one who has said, okay, well, I'm, I've done the numbers. I know where I want to take this business. I'm going to hire a general manager to come in and help me run the business while I spend time working on the business and do the things I need to do to turn it around. So, you know, you, you can't make those sort of big rash decisions without really having a clear picture of where you want to be and then having the confidence that you're able to take it there. So mm. it is a process. It is a transition, but you can see the weight off people's shoulders. Um, I had another client who she decided that she was going to actually lose one service, one very large part of her business she was going to decided to stop it slice it off completely slice it off because it was the time suck that yes it was making her money but it was the complete time suck that she couldn't spend uh, the time that she wanted to do to create uh, a digital product you know some a, a sort of a membership type thing that she really passionately wanted to create but this part of her business was simply not allowing her to do it so she's mm-hmm. made the decision but you can't you don't want to just make those decisions without having the numbers to back it up, without having the confidence in, in the facts they're staring at you to say, yeah, you can afford to do this. This can yeah. work for you and this will be the results. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that sometimes it's also a decision in taking a couple of steps back so then you can move faster down the yeah. track, right? So like yeah, you said, like point. hiring a GM or taking you know, taking a, literally taking a pay cut because it's like if you're not going to take on new clients for three months, it's Absolutely. Right. That's, that's a huge decision. You're to taking make. bread off the table, you know, that's pressure, but you're not going to take bread off the table unless you feel very confident that you can, you know, um, impact the results for the positive in the long run. So it's about creating the, the best business, the most elegant version of your business in the long run. Yeah. And I love that. Like I, anytime I find that a client is struggling with like complete overwhelm, not knowing what to do. And they're like, literally like you know what's the definition of like a duck when they they look serene on the top but their legs are like going crazy underneath yeah like you feel like you're always running is because you're thinking too short term right if you're thinking long term your perspective completely shifts and not only do you stop judging yourself so harshly because you know that you're going to have to try 50 different things to get to the goal that you want to get to in that long-term goal but it's also allowing yourself to go hang on a minute these little things aren't important right? I don't have to stress about these little things. I don't have to worry about the little things because I have that long-term goal. And I think you, when you take that step back and allow yourself to look at the numbers and give yourself that evidence to go, it's going to be okay. And trust that doing that is going to actually help grow your business. Otherwise the alternative is to keep doing what you're doing and end yeah, up probably burning out. And when you couple up that mindset, what you're talking about there with some activity and some action to actually decide what is it that I'm doing that is or isn't 
useful to me in my business, you know, and break it right down. I always say, and this is getting right down into the nitty gritty action sort of side of it here is have a look at what it is you're doing for a period of one week or two weeks and literally get out your pen and paper and write it down hour by hour by hour, what it is that you're actually doing in your business. And even sometimes add in what you're doing in your, in your day-to-day life, household duties and blah, all the, all the blah stuff that we have to do, write it all down and then come back in a week or two weeks and have a look at what you've written down. And it'll become really crystal clear the things that you don't need to keep doing that you don't really need to worry about. It's a really good first step and an easy step for people to start and and look at what it is that you're talking about there. You know, what are the things that have got my little legs going flat out? Well, you know, yes, I, I've got everything sorted on the surface, but really I don't. And it'll be some it'll be some of those things that you're literally doing in your day-to-day that are causing you to feel that way. Mm. And wasting time and wasting money. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah so much. I yeah. like to call them money-making activities, like looking at what activities you're doing in your business and are they actually generating a result? Or are they just busyness? Like is Absolutely. it just creating more busyness for you and that you think you're all taking the action, doing all the things, but is it actually working? Is it generating anything for you? Yeah, yeah. I call them um, most important activities, MIAs. I refer to them as MIAs when I speak. You know, I was actually had a, had a presentation that I did to some uh, finance brokers this week and we were talking about most important activities. You know, what are the unimportant activities? And then what are your most important activities? Are they things like, you know, get right down into the nitty gritty, your, your A-class clients that are, that you love working with and that love working with you is one of your most important activities, getting a referral program in place with these people and, or, and, and nurturing them every quarter, making random phone calls to them just to see how everything is going in their business to nurture the relationship you know so many different strategies that you can put in place once you've got that clarity around what are those money-making activities or most important activities just work out what they are and then cut out the stuff that you don't need to be doing yeah that makes your life so much easier so much easier yeah all right so let's talk a little bit more about creating more of a profitable business so I love it how you like to explain the three steps to creating profitable revenue growth. So let's dive into that. What are some? What are the top three? Those those three steps. Yeah. So you'll notice that I say profitable revenue growth. So revenue growth, I think, can be a, a real catch cry for people. You know, everyone wants to make a magical million dollars and and or multi millions or multi multi whatever. People talk a lot about revenue, but. Uh, I can assure you I have worked with big, big, big businesses and small businesses and you can make more money, more profit having a small business than you sometimes can having the multi, multi-million dollar businesses. So the top line really doesn't mean much, to be honest. It's a bit of a, sometimes it's a bit of a vanity metric, I think, for people, but Profitable revenue growth is what we're looking at here is, you know, if you're going to go to all the effort and use up your scarce resources, which is your time and your money to grow your business, then you need to make sure that you're growing the profitable part of your business. So I guess that's where I'm coming from when I say three steps to profitable revenue growth. But the first step, Christine, is around setting goals. So it's about setting goals in your business 
And I guess it, it circles back to what we were talking about just before is having that vision, that picture of what it is that I've created this business for. And I refer to them as uh, there's sort of like three steps within the goal setting is the first one is setting your lifestyle goals and then setting your profit goals and then setting your revenue goals. So where we typically will jump to setting a revenue goal and then as our business grows, we might next year say we'll get um, um, last year's revenue plus 15% or last year's revenue plus 25% or whatever. We come up with these random numbers, but without really thinking about the profit that it makes that we need to make in order to then support those lifestyle goals. So it's kind of like reverse engineering it, I suppose, Mm -hmm. and looking at your lifestyle goals. So, and then breaking your lifestyle goals down into, let's just assume that everybody out there in business wants some level of financial freedom. Now, financial freedom will mean different things to different people and whatever it looks like for you, I love it for people, they get some real clarity when they can break it apart and clarify their lifestyle goals, which is their financial freedom is there is the overall goal, but then let's break it down one little step further and look at what are your lifestyle financial goals and what are your lifestyle freedom goals? So splitting that financial freedom into two and looking at financial lifestyle goals and financial freedom goals. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, okay. yeah. And I love that because I find that a lot of clients on the surface level, they say that they want to hit a revenue goal or they have a money goal in mind for their business, yet money actually doesn't drive them. Yeah. And yet, so when you connect it to the lifestyle and connect it to what money is going to give you, it's a whole other element of motivation because you're just Absolutely. like, it actually means something now. It's not just a number. It's not just a figure in a bank. It's actually a hang on a minute this is our family holiday where we get to go to Disneyland or is the opportunity to have the wedding of our dreams or this like every element when you connect it to something connected in your lifestyle it's going to be so much more motivating and if you actually represent represent if you actually have a representation of that and I love like you know a lot of people talk about vision boards but visually having something if you're very visually activated making sure they have something visual around that money goal is also a really extra motivator yeah, absolutely. And you can break it down, you know, ask yourself the questions. You So when I say lifestyle financial goals, they're probably the goals that have some level, some number attached to them. It could be um, you want to go on, what are your ideal family holidays look like? Are they five star? Are they international? Probably not at the moment, but one day they might be, you know, we're going to plan out. At, I actually, as an example, um, many, many years ago, when my kids were young, I decided that I wanted to take them on a big trip when they were all old enough to appreciate it. And I have three kids. They're all uh, they're in their 20s and my youngest is 15 now. So this was maybe 10 years ago. It was actually more than that. And I decided that I wanted to take them overseas. And in order to do that, I needed to save some money. So for 10 years, I saved $20 per child per week for 10 years. I didn't know where we were going, but I just knew we were going somewhere. And when you do the sums on that, it turns out to be a really big, really big number. <laughs> and I don't like to really think about how much we spent, but we went to Italy for a month and we drove the kids around for a month and we just to it. We hired a car and just drove around with no set agenda. We booked the first couple of nights, booked the last couple of nights, and it was an amazing trip. So that 
is where you were saying, okay, pick something that's Mm -hmm. going to be a driver because the money, if I had said, oh, I want to save $30,000, well, so what? You know, I'm not sure what I'll do with it, but I want the $30,000, you know. But if I know that I'm going to go and do a holiday overseas with the kids as they're getting older, it's a different feeling altogether. Mm, yeah. So, love that. So good. Yeah. So good. Awesome. Okay. And, so then number two is finding the right revenue stream. Let's talk revenue streams because I love this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So revenue streams, they're an interesting one, you know, because I think what happens in business, uh, particularly service-based businesses is we start out with service offerings that are making us money. And we tend to just kind of stick with them perhaps sometimes for a little bit too long, because like we said earlier, it can be hard to let go. It can be hard to change what it is that you're used to doing if it's making you money well why are you going to go and sort of mess with it I suppose but when you can unpack your service offerings and say okay what are they they might be maybe they're a an online shop maybe you do website audits is one service offering maybe you do um Website design is another offering. Maybe you have one-off consultations. Maybe you have retainer packages. You know, pull apart your business and identify as a maximum, I like to say four (laughs) revenue streams, like just the top four. Some people have seven or eight or nine, which is why I say have a maximum of four, but then other people have one and that's perfectly okay. But um, I think it's about identifying the top revenue streams in your business And then asking yourself a series of questions around them, you know, can I make the money that I want to make with these particular revenue streams? Most people will say yes to that because they have some level of confidence that they can make the money they want to make. But then you need to ask yourself, can I achieve the lifestyle I want to achieve with these revenue streams? And this is where sort of your one-to-one stuff starts to get a bit on top of this with, you know, if you're a, a consultant, a coach, a creative, you probably, you've been there before and you've, you get what I'm talking about. And then you can also ask yourself the question, what do I want to stop doing? So identify what it is that feels heavy that mm. you just don't want to do anymore. And I think we probably will all have something that we've done in the past where we go, okay, yeah, it worked. I got some good leads. I got some great clients, but it was hard work and I didn't love doing it, you know? So just sort of, I guess, giving you permission to say, all right, yes, I'm doing that. Yes. That's making me money. It's one of my revenue streams, but do I really want to keep doing it and just reconsider for a a moment? Mm. And then the next question to ask yourself that flows quite naturally from that is what would I love to add to my revenue streams? What would I love to change and do differently? Or what would I love to bring into the mix? Um, What would I love it to look like at the end of the day? I think it would be really key there to then add, like do a little bit of research on other revenue streams or allow your mind to wander to really think about what else could you possibly be making money from? Because often we end up creating a little box for ourselves and we think, well, this is the only way yet when we allow ourselves to open ourselves up to other opportunities, money allow, money then comes in. Like it actually, we're welcoming it in, in different ways. And it's, so as you were saying that, so I had in my mind, I pictured a client and we were talking about this of like, okay, so if she, if she is 
literally exchanging time for money because she's got she has to book appointments for one-on-one it's like well what's the possibility of that you either have to raise your prices to a high increase to hit, to hit the goal that you want to achieve and to, to that she didn't want to do I was like great so then what's another way that we can make money what are other opportunities for us to actually create different revenue streams that might fit in with that business goal and at the time she was very um you know in a headspace of like, well, this is all that I can do. And I was like, well, actually, if you allow yourself your creative brain to start to take over, you'd be surprised at what you could create to help serve your clients. So often when we focus on ourselves, we think that we can't add to that. But if we focus on our clients and think, well, what do they need? And how can I offer them something different in a unique way that maybe might bring in other revenue streams? So it could be as simple as looking at other ways to do online offerings or group offerings, or it could be, creating products right or you know it doesn't even necessarily it can be um, digital products like there's so many different ways to make money these days and I think when I first started my business um, I was like yeah I definitely want multiple revenue streams like what could I do so I obviously have my one-on-one coaching I have my events I have my speaking there's so many there's my digital products like there's so many different elements to what it is that I do and that's I love that. I love the variety of it. And I love the, there's all these unique, unique ways, but that it's also being open to other opportunities. So one of the things that kind of came in this year for me was actually being asked kind of separate to speaking. So when I say speaking, it's very much like keynote speaking and actually speaking with a purpose and a topic in front of an audience. Whereas obviously this year that didn't go to plan, no. but it was actually being open to doing, um, like masterclasses and webinars for other groups that actually employed me to come in and run those workshops for their employees and for their groups and for their clients. And that was something new this year that kind of came in that I didn't actively go, this is what I want to do. People came to me and started asking, I started asking for that. Yeah. So yeah. I love how like it's just opening yourself up to other opportunities because sometimes the revenue streams aren't necessarily what you specifically think they're going to be. Yeah, that's right. And it's not, so I think until you sit down and ask yourself those questions, you know, what is my right fit revenue stream? So one, identify them and then ask yourself those series of questions. What do I want to keep doing? What do I want to, what do I want to not keep doing? What do I want to stop, start, you know, really get down and break it out and think about what the options are. And you need to put some time aside to do that. You need to, it's not something you're just going to sit here and go, okay, yeah, well, I do one-to-one. Um, coaching, I do monthly profit consulting, I have a retainer that I offer to clients. And yep, that's kind of it. You know, it, it, it deserves more than that. It deserves more time than that. And I think it's great. It's, it's a great thing for people to sit down and start to explore and say, what if I was going to drop one of those? Is there one that I would love to get rid of? And then is there something I'd love to bring on board? And it's about finding the right fit revenue streams because yes you can have 100 revenue streams and you can make plenty of money but what's the right mix the right fit for you and your lifestyle goals mm. you know mm. okay it's okay awesome okay so take us now on to number three so number three is wrapping the numbers around those revenue streams so this is where we start to get into the number side of it so we've set some goals we know what your financial goals are and we know what your lifestyle freedom goals are and when I say I'm not sure if we touched on it earlier when I said lifestyle freedom goals it's things like how many hours a week do I want to work 
how many weeks a year do I want to have on holidays and take the family away? Or it could be that I have a passion project that I really want to spend time on, you know, so you've identified in step one, your lifestyle financial goals, and you've identified your lifestyle freedom goals. You've then set some time aside and you've had a look at your revenue streams, what you want to stop doing, what you want to start doing. So now it's time to wrap the numbers around those revenue streams and have a look at what's actually making you money, which part of the, uh, which revenue streams is sucking the life out of lifestyle. And you can do this by looking at what I call return on time and, and actually unpacking every individual service offering that you have that you've just identified in step two, you start to unpack them and you can unpack them by looking at, okay, well, what's my pricing? Now you mentioned a client before where if she was going to continue doing her one-to-one, one of the options is to increase the pricing. And if you don't want to do that, then, you know, what are the alternatives there other than find different services? There alternatives around that are looking at the return on time that she's getting you know and you'll be amazed I I actually should run through my little single page revenue planner with you one day Christine and give you a look at it but what it actually does is identify the return on time that your one-to-one clients are getting and it shifts their money mindset Um, I'm kind of cautious to use that term because I don't use that term a lot but you'll know what I mean. It shifts their perspective on their money when they see, oh, hang on a minute. I'm only getting $110 per hour for all of the effort that I'm putting in. I'm only getting $89 per hour for all of the effort that I'm putting in. And it's not an hourly rate. Don't confuse return on time with an hourly rate. Return on time is considering the amount that you're charging. So the amount that you're charging, if you're charging $4,000 for a one-to-one coaching program and it takes you 10 hours to deliver that, then you're going to divide 10 into your 4,000. It's not just the actual delivery hours. It's, it's the stuff that goes around it. You need to really think about the half an hour that you spend before preparing, the three quarters an hour that you spend afterwards. And we really pull all of that out of you and try and work out how much time are you really spending on that particular job. You're making notes, you're sending emails, not necessarily just the straight out admin stuff like invoicing and blah, blah, blah. But the time that you're really putting into delivering that product as a whole, that service as a whole, and looking at what is your return on time. And when you can see that, "Mm, okay, yeah, I really need to increase my pricing because I'm only getting $89 per hour for that. That's why I'm so exhausted. That's why, yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's why things are not working for me. (laughs) Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's very interesting when you have service-based businesses that are, you know, based on time. And they really break it down like that. And even looking at like what your bookable hours are, because you're not available 24 seven and you can't just add in, I'm just going to take on 10 new clients next month. Like that's sometimes not freaking doable, but when you break it down like that is so eye opening and then you start to go, hang on a minute, I am worth more. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Exactly. Or you have the alternative then is to say, all right, you because you can impact that return on time figure. So if we think about that figure, it, it started with the price that you're charging, 
and, it, and the time that you're putting into the work. So it, there was two components to this return on time figure. So you can impact the pricing, okay, or your alternative is to impact the time that you're putting into it. So how can I do things more efficiently? What can I do differently in my business? Can I use some technology to streamline a certain part of my business? Is this section of the service offering really necessary? Is it adding value? Can I just dump it completely? You know, really start to pull apart your service offering and unpack it in its entirety, you know, from start to finish, what are you offering and what can you change to reduce the time so if you reduce the time that you're putting in then naturally that return on time figure might go from 110 to 160 you know Mm -hmm. it's a start you're getting there and maybe you couple it with a slight um, price increase and maybe you get it to 200 or or whatever but it's it's about having a look at those particular numbers before you go to market because once you've gone to market it's hard to change the price you can't change the price and you can't change necessarily the service that you're offering either. It's, you know, if you want to change up the way you are um, putting your service out there to market, you really want to know the numbers before you go out there and, and do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does, definitely. Amazing. So get really clear on the goals of what you want lifestyle-wise as well as your business goals find the right revenue streams and then wrap your numbers around the revenue streams. Cool. That's it. it. Is there anything else that you think that people need to consider in regards to creating a profitable business? Look, I think at the end of the day, it's about thinking about the stuff that you really love to do. I think as a business owner, when we get started in business, we do the things that we think we need to do to make money and we test and we change and we we test out the one-to-one and then at some point we go okay I think I can you know transition this to a group thing or or whatever it might be you know I can transition this to a digital product but just be sure that you're doing the things that you really love doing it feels much easier and it's much nicer on your overall lifestyle when you're doing work that you love to be doing absolutely because i mean the alternative is that you keep doing things you don't enjoy doing and then you keep undercharging what you're supposed to be undercharging and then what happens you end up resenting the work you end absolutely. up resenting the clients and then before you know it you're over over it and you don't want to have your business anymore yeah it's done i'm, I'm over this let's let's move on yeah what other things do you see that your business clients do in regards to their profit what other things do you see that they like where they might be draining their profit or losing out in profit yeah yeah draining profitability so with a heavy focus on top line there can be an issue with the next line down which is your gross profit line like you it's a it's a yucky accounting word but it's it's the the gross profit is what you take into it's the number that pops out after you've taken into account the labor component of your um, service delivery so do you pay yourself a wage do does any of us pay ourselves a wage if you don't pay yourself a wage then you can have almost a false profit figure at the bottom you know you might say your business is popping out a profit of a hundred thousand dollars and that's fantastic I'm I'm happy I've got a hundred thousand dollar profit but if you haven't paid yourself a wage now I'm not necessarily saying 
physically pay yourself a wage because some structures can't. And this is the CPA side of me, you know, going, okay, well, let's not get too overly technical here. But if you haven't taken into account the fact that if you were to be hit by a bus tomorrow and somebody else had to step in and do that work for you and you were going to have to pay them a particular wage of maybe it's $100,000 and that isn't taken into account, then your profit's actually zero. Mm-hmm. So you're not making any money. So I guess it's just like increasing awareness around what your true profit is because there's a profit on paper. There's a profit that your tax, your bookkeeping will give you one profit. Your tax account will give you another profit figure. But then there's like, almost like the real profit figure when we take into account things like that. You know, what if we were paying ourselves an actual salary that we would have to pay an arm's length person? What does that mean? And what does that look like on my, to my profit? Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of one area that people can, it kind of gives them a false sense of security. I think sometimes. Yeah. yeah when you're not sure. taking that into account. Hmm. And now let's flip it and then look at opportunities. How do you help your clients use the numbers to find opportunities in their business? Definitely. There's, and it's not fun. It's not exciting. That It's around efficiencies. That is where the biggest and the best kind of um, opportunities come from is being aware of the impact that efficiencies can have on your numbers. So, like we just mentioned before, if return your return on time can increase significantly if you are taking care of your efficiencies. That's, you know, that's one really important area that I think a lot of business owners know they should be doing, but don't necessarily do, you know, so that's one example anyway. Yeah. I used to actually work in corporate and we used to, I used to love using the numbers to actually help people see their missed opportunities of where they actually could have made more money. And it helps them really see things from a different perspective because it's like, so it was a service-based businesses. And so actually seeing the opportunities of where they could have upsold different services or upsold different retail products and things like that. And it's usually really quite eye-opening to look at things in hindsight. And I find that that's really worked well for my business as well. So I like get to say like the six month mark of the year and then towards the end of the year and then always look back on, okay, so where were my opportunities that I missed out on and what could I have done differently? And even coming back to what we were saying right from the beginning and looking at those revenue streams of like what actually brought in the money, what services worked, what services didn't work, what ones do I want to drop, what do I want to add, what were my clients asking for and where were my clients coming from? Like all those types of numbers, I think two people can kind of get um, complacent with as well. Do you agree? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, And I feel like hindsight we always say it don't we hindsight is a wonderful thing so let's use it you know let's not let's not just sort of have it as a bit of a throwaway line let's actually use hindsight and it does it does help people I think when they can look back and just say okay yeah I probably could have done that differently so from now on I'm going to do it this way you know and there's there's missed opportunities in you know um, you're getting a heap of new leads but you're not converting them what's your conversion rate What's your actual conversion rate? Are you wasting money on trying to get new leads when your actual conversion rate's only like 10%? How do you get that up to 30%? What are the strategies that you're going to put in place to increase your conversion rate? Is that the one key metric that you need to be focusing on for the next month mm. or three or three months, the next quarter in your business? Is it increasing the conversion rate? Is it increasing the number of times that people come back to you over and over again, you know? 
is that the frequency of purchase, is that a particular metric that you can really focus on and forget about everything else, forget about the new leads, forget about increasing your pricing, you know, because that messes with people's heads sometimes and you can work on that later. But how do I get more people coming back more regularly? They already know you like you trust you. How do I get them coming back more regularly? So mm. there's all sorts of different numbers in business. It don't have to be yucky accounting sounding sort of numbers, but they're really important numbers. Once you can identify which of those numbers you want to focus on, then it's much easier to just go tunnel vision. That's what I'm doing for the next quarter. I'm going to focus on increasing my conversion rate. And these are the strategies that I'm going to think about putting in place and what's going to work best for me or, or whatever it might be. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Amazing. Is there anything else that you find is really surprising that you find that when you work through work with your clients that, and help them understand the numbers. Is there anything else that they find or you find that's really surprising that they find is surprising? Uh, Yeah, there actually is. I am always blown away by the fact that people don't consider things such as say um, a retention rate. You know, what is a retention rate? You know, you've gone to all this effort to have these clients and they've paid you money, but are you actually retaining them into the future? You know, are they coming back again? You know, that people will look at things like a retention rate or a conversion rate or a frequency of purchase or things like a return on time. And it's, it's almost as though their eyes have been opened up to a new world that they didn't know existed in their business. So it, there's just a lot of untapped opportunity, I think, sitting in behind a business. It's stuff that, that is already there, but until you can see it there in front of you and actually uh, and see your numbers in play mm-hmm. that you can kind of the look on people's faces is just like, Oh, wow. Okay. So that's all I have to focus on. Yeah. That's all you have to focus on. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. so much power in it, right? Like when you actually use your numbers to give you the information, it is so powerful because it gives you so many answers. Yeah, it really does. It does. And it can be, sometimes the answers are not the ones that you want to get. You know, I've, I've had some pretty hard conversations with people as well, where, you know, that they're working so hard, they are really turning their wheels and they've been working on this thing for a really long time. But if it's not working, it's not working. And you're going to save yourself a lot of money and a lot of heartache by having the conversation and, you know, maybe making some of those tough decisions, slicing Mm. off that service offering, slicing off the, you know, particular part of your business that you really, you know, really feel quite passionately about, but it's just not working for you in the form that it is right now. So Mm. yeah, sometimes they're hard conversations as well. Mm. So what would be some advice that you would have for people who wanted to be able to take their business to the next level in 2021? Okay, going to the next level in 2021. Gosh, let's hope 2021 is much friendlier than 2020. Um, I would say as I work mainly with service, uh, service businesses, so you'll hear me talk about service businesses all the time. Honestly, you can sit down and there, I've had people message me before and say, I'm sitting down right now and I am going through your three steps to profitable revenue growth and I'm like, penciling in my, I'm writing out my 
my service offerings, my revenue streams, and I'm trying to calculate my return on time. And oh my God, I'm just blown away by the fact that I'm not really making what I thought I was making. You need to make sure you're charging well. If you have issues around that, then you need to see someone like Christine, you know, deal with your money issues because the price that you're charging is something may actually be perfectly fine. You might be charging a really good price, but start the year off by looking at what it is that you are, how you're pricing, what it is that you're charging and what you're charging for. And then look at how it is that if you feel that you need to increase it, you know, what value can you add value price? How can you increase the value of your service offering in order to justify the price? You know, even if you're only justifying it to yourself to make sure you know, you actually get paid well for what it is that you're doing. So look at your pricing in depth and that's not always my go-to place, but then the secondary go-to place will always be for me is the efficiency side of things. What can you do differently? What can you streamline? What can you just stop doing? You know, really sit down and pull that apart in your business and find out how you can do things better, you know, get better with what you've already got before Mm -hmm you then go and grow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing, Jen. Thank you so much for sharing all this incredible wisdom with myself and with all of my listeners. And I really appreciate you spending this time with us today. That is okay. It's been great. I've enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Me too. It's been such a pleasure. I'll make sure that I share all the show notes and make sure that I've linked you up on Instagram. But if there's any way that you spend the most time or if people are wanting to reach out to you, where would be the best place? Uh, you can reach out to me over on Instagram, Simply Smarter Numbers. And I also have a podcast as well, which is named Simply Smarter Numbers. So <laughs> that's where you'll find me. Yeah, definitely check it out if you want to know more about the, the elegant business model and the profit steps, because I think she goes through that in much more detail in that in, on the podcast. So check yes. it out for sure. Perfect. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode, so please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week, and here's to taking your life to the next level.